0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Hey, Look, Listen podcast. I am Jonathan, and as always, I am joined by my two partners in crime, Mr. Owen Rudin and Mr. Liam Sheehan. Friends, how are you today? Absolutely dandy. How about you? I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. Owen, I, I know you've been busy lately. We, we missed you for the last episode. Uh, we, we brought in uh, Mr. Kevin Doherty, famous, of course, from the Kevin Doherty podcast, and obviously, of course, that uprising in the States as well uh, last year. Uh, what's, uh, what were you up to, Owen? We, we missed you. I have a question. Oh. oh, okay. What
1: type of crime would we actually commit
2: if we were partners in crime?
0: Hmm. Fraud. Yeah, something.
2: Yeah, we'd embezzle something. A week crime, certainly.
0: Like a week long crime, or just a, a week. <laughs> no, a like week a crime Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's man.
1: Petty, I've been petty. <laughs> petty. Be petty. Um, super, super busy. Um, I'm getting married, and I'm getting married in <laughs> September. <laughs>
2: yep. We're both um, engaged now, you pair of plonkers.
0: <laughs> we are. We are. You're next, Liam.
2: Hmm. It's a heavy I'm gonna, burden. I'm gonna do game. it on this on this episode. I'm gonna make her listen what? to it. What? Come on in, Fiona. <laughs> my favorite my favorite part of Half Life Two is when Will You Marry Me, Fiona?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> as i famously <laughs> admit fucking game yeah no it's been it's been super busy uh on my end i listened to that uh, episode last week with kevdo and whoever's listening who hasn't listened to it if you're looking for a fun time um <laughs> i was listening to it during work and i had far too many laughs um with you guys reminiscing on The amount of men that you could fit inside Liam's sitting room, um, (laughs) amongst other things. What I
2: didn't bring up last time was that there was one time, I think there was about 16 boys in that room, and we were all playing. Do you remember the WarioWare game for the GameCube? You had to to play it. I had a WaveBird controller to wire it, and you you could play it. You had to pass the controller. And I think that might have been the peak of my life. That was just so fun. Aww. And then, yeah, now, and now look. At
0: Sometimes me. there were so many people in there that the window would condensate heavily. Remember, and we'd have to open a window because it would get so so hot in there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I remember I had like ten people in that room, and we and uh, someone was like, "Turn on the news!" I this is not a joke. And uh, we turned <laughs> we, we turned on the news, and Michael Jackson had died. We died. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> we all just sat there watching it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's good to reminisce. <laughs> it is.
1: We probably look like a fucking clown car of all, <laughs> all the people coming oh, out to put your
0: house. On the left, button down the controller. <laughs> oh my God, Michael Jackson's dead. Oh my God. Oh my God. But it's,
1: it's good to be back, gents. It's, it's, uh, it's good to
0: be back. I'm here good. for the long haul. Good, good, and it's good to have you back. Uh, well, as always, um, I'm always curious to know what you folks um, have been playing. Um, so, Mr. Liam, must has been taking up your time uh, the last little while? Pokemon. Got to catch them all.
2: So, um, I actually didn't buy Pokemon Legends Arceus. <laughs> sto- you stole so it. <laughs> <laughs> that's very crime. This is, this is petty <laughs> crime. <laughs> I stole it from my local game stuff. Mm-hmm. No, uh, my girlfriend bought it, and we've—I've been, been kind of backseat gaming with it. I've been—I've been taking the controller, but she's mostly playing it. And uh, bottom line, playing it this way, kind of experiencing with her, which is kind of what I did with Sword as well. Um, great time, because Pokémon is inherently just pleasant and good, and that's the main thing I'll say about this game: is that the core Pokémon experience is untouchable. Especially, I really like Fiona loves Pokémon, so I really enjoy like playing it with her. Um, it's so good, but I just, I, I, I keep vacillating on how I feel about the the game itself because it's kind of touted as this revolution. Open world, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it it's finally, the formula, right? It's finally Pokemon doing something different, exactly, on changing the formula. And where I've landed is Game Freak are either resting on their laurels or they're kind of just an average game developer. It's just not enough. Yeah. And Pokemon fans like deserve more like it's not even a like, graphically it's, it's a gamecube game uh but it's not even that it's just really like is is, is this the one we're kind of holding up as being this kind of deal oh, fine finally it's they're doing something different and it, it still feels oh they've done this now maybe two games later it could lead to something interesting yeah. it always just feels yeah. like that's the way it is with pokemon
0: yeah a guy but, at work is saying he says it's very bare bones is the way to yeah, kind
2: of get it but the annoying thing is not an annoying slash good thing is that it's still good do you know what I mean? It's Pokemon. It's just it has it, like charm. The, the core gameplay of collecting, fighting, catching, what all that stuff. You know, just the works. kind of joy of like, oh my god, it's a Blastoise or whatever is just so inherently solid that you know Pokemon will always be good. But it's just uh, I kind of want to see more from it, to be honest. But as yeah, I, I, I
0: feel, yeah,
2: go ahead, Marcy. Are there extra Pokemon or is it just the original? Apparent, one, uh, it's not original. It's from one. I'm not a uh, encyclopedia of Pokemon. Now but it's from one of the previous gens this is supposed to be oh, okay. like the past it's
1: called the pokedex
2: this is, this is one of them so <laughs> i i know some of them but some of them i don't i i know only know certain areas of pokemon but like i said uh, i'm playing it with fiona and fiona really enjoys it and like i know pokemon like as a social game is like really fun which is why i think i i'm always fighting for more single player games please like no, no more people but they need to get over they need to make a, a full-on multiplayer pokemon game it would be class it would be absolutely brilliant um the other thing I'm playing, which is very surprising for me, uh Monster it, it, Hunter Rise
1: owned. Uh, you get into Monster Hunter when like <laughs> I'm busy?
2: <Yeah. laughs> it's so if, if my friend um Kev O'Carroll, who has listened to every episode of this podcast, I believe he's a fan, so thank you for that, Kev. And I always refer I've referred to him a couple of times, but I'm always like my friend and he actually one time was just like, "You actually like name dropped me? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> But, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was just like, "Do you want to play this?" And I was like, "Yeah." We download the demo, and do you remember back in the day when demos were like a big thing and like they mm, sell yeah. you on a game? That's exactly what happened because when I finally got Monster Hunter Rise, I hated it for the beginning. It's just all tutorials and menus, and it's so awkward. And the demo sold me on that game because we were we were doing a hunt and it was it was kind of marked as intermediate in difficulty and it took us about 10 11 tries it was so difficult but kind of doing that not really knowing the controls cuz the, the the demo doesn't have proper tutorials we kind of just kind of trial by fire and that kind of taught me the kind of how kind of exhilarating and fun that game could be and, and then when I started the game, the actual game was just tutorial, tutorial, tutorial. And I was like, oh my God, if I, if I played this game without playing the demo first, I would not have stuck with it. But because I kind of learned how kind of fun these hunts could be. You basically, you, you go, you can play a single player. That's the thing. I would never play a single player. It's not for me, but playing it with my friend now and, and my friend Kev and, um, and hunting monsters together. I'm finding it really fun, like really, really fun. And I just, I did, the main thing I want to say is like that, what what a good fucking demo, <laughs> which is good to say <laughs> in this day and age. Because I, I hate, like everything I hate in games like this was in, the, was in the beginning of Monster Hunter Rise. And if I hadn't played that demo, I would have put it down. But yeah, I'm very surprised. It's not something I would... Um, I ever thought I'd play because I always looked at the series as Capcom's biggest selling series mm-hmm. at the moment. Like it was oh. more than Resident Evil, more than Street Fighter, whatever. So I was always curious and I'm really enjoying it. I, I recommend it. I play it with you sometimes if you, if you wanted to get into it. It's super fun.
1: Well, Liam, I recommend the um, Paul Anderson uh, movie adaptation oh, yeah. starring his wife <laughs> that I had to sit through for one of our episodes. Oh no. Wait, Stary, also starring Ron Perlman and Tony Ja.
0: It's a good cast. Good. Did you say you to watch it with his wife? No, I for, for the
1: episode. No, no, Paul, Paul <laughs> Anderson's wife. Sorry, Eli. I'm
0: so confused. I thought you sat down. I I, I was listening, <laughs> listeners. I, kidding, I wasn't listening there. Uh, oh, what are you playing? Um, I got a Oculus
1: Quest oh, 2. Wow. So I've been diving into the metaverse and it is real. <laughs> and a couple of the games that, um, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Beat Saber. Uh, I had a PlayStation VR before, and I, I, I sold that um, out of, you know, necessity. Um, I was poor. And uh, Nisha, my fiance, kindly gifted me the the Quest 2. So Beat Saber was one of the first things uh, I went for. But also there was a, you know, full um port of Resident Evil 4, which you know, I I don't think I've ever played a, a like a full console port to a VR, so I was super intrigued about how uh how that would run, how it would play. And gentlemen, let me tell you, it is very, very good. <laughs> it is
0: very good.
2: It must be for you to do an accent. Yeah, if you
0: only you know, you could see his face right now. It's, it's scrunched up and creepy. <laughs> uh
1: it's a uh, it's a delight, actually. It's uh, There's just, um, you know, I'll be the first to say that I suffer from quite bad, like, motion sickness. Um, so, you know, I'm te- I'm temperamental with VR, so I can't do a, like, full roaming in 3D kind of space walk- like, walking around with a controller. So, you know, the sense of you're moving, but your body isn't really, really makes me feel ill. But they've kind of figured... A, a way to like nav, you know, navigate that motion sickness, which is it's kind of like a point and click, right? So it's you you move your cursor forward, and you see a line extend from you, and it just teleports oh, you to that location.
0: Teleport ahead, that's cool.
1: So and like it's really, really responsive and really quick to like, you know, you can still look around and like just point over there and like move, right? So it kind of to a certain degree, as I was playing it yesterday, and I came across um, Mr. Chainsaw um, with a sack of potatoes over his head, guy. And you is, can is kind still of Resident Evil. Yeah, we're still it's
0: the time of the game. Yeah, okay,
1: but it's kind of uh, you can kind of dodge really easily because you can just click backwards and it jumps you, you know, uh, uh, quite far back. Um, but the satisfying feeling of you know taking your hands handgun, so you reach down and like you see a little icon, but you reach down and you click your grab button, so you can see your two hands. That's cool. and you click the grab button. So you reach for kind of like your pocket and it takes out your, your handgun. And then on your left-hand side are your clips. So you reach down and you grab the clip button and then you actually put the clip into the gun and then you squeeze the trigger for it to actually reload. That's cool. Super satisfying. And then, you know, it's the same with the shotgun, right? It's like you actually have to reach over your shoulder, take your shotgun from behind your back, and then when you want to reload it, it's the same. You have to put your shells... Um, into the gun and then cock it cool. and it actually like it works and that's the big thing right I think a lot is anything with like motion or anything like that I always think about the wee days where it's like oh I'm gonna fucking swing my sword like you know like Link and it's gonna be one to one and it's not and you not just look all. like a fucking crazy man but to be <clears> fair <throat> if your fiance walks in on you on the couch with a VR headset um, just fucking feeling around you look like a <laughs> madman but uh, <laughs> it works off <laughs> uh, it works. And the most, uh, you know, there. I will it. I will say I'm a believer. Um, VR is here to stay. And the most satisfying piece of the game is, um, you know, a staple of Resident Evil games is how you save your game. And, uh, you know, generally you're putting ink into a typewriter, typewriter. and it saves your pro- progress. Um, essentially, the typewriter comes up in front of you and you have to type your name. Love it, and press enter, and it you speak about like what works. Click, 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 Essentially, your your fingers become your pointer, and it just works.
0: That's fast.
1: You know, it just like it's it's uh, it's brilliant. So, it, is anyone, it scarier?
0: Like, is it, does it make the the game scarier or more immersive? There,
1: there is uh, there is something terrifying about the teleportation because sometimes when you teleport behind you you just fucking teleport face to face with someone who's like right in front of you that you didn't know was behind you um but it it what it does is it brings to the fore some of like the issues of the older game design so like everyone in that hispanic fucking town was an inbred because everyone looks the same it looks like it looks really good for you know a I told you guys, like, a wire-free VR headset. Mm. Um, like, it looks really good. Like, it plays really well. So um, the next thing, once I'm finished Resident Evil, um, which you can play sitting down, which is a big thing, um, is uh, Half-Life Alex. And
2: Interesting. It would be cool oh, if we had to play it for this episode, but uh, we should say that for now. And would you have paid be- for it? No, for it was me. actually something I was going to talk about later. Honestly, yeah. so I wouldn't have... <laughs> I really want to play it. By, and uh, he
0: wasn't here when me. we talked about that, Liam. He, had, he was back yeah. to the bathroom. That's incredible. We're so in sync. Um, what about you, Marcy? i actually tell a quick story you uh, to, to test something. Um, oh. uh, so I know both your partners listen to the podcast. They're followers. You've mentioned that a lot. My partner um, sporadi- sporadically listens to the podcast. And I found this out today. I said, uh, did you listen to our last podcast? What did you think of it? She goes, yeah. Was that Liam and the Pat to PlayStation? I was like, no. That's about four episodes ago. That's really interesting, though. At a PlayStation, um, that's months ago. Yeah, because even worse. <laughs> uh, and, so I, and so I said, do you want, on this podcast, And I tell a story about her and then see if she brings it up and Excellent. see how long it takes her? So, so conniving. And it's connected to VR, so it all works. Um a company I worked for in Canada had a VR room. And you could go there on the weekends. You could play, you know, I think they had, like, Steam VR, mm. a couple of different ones there. It was really, really, cool. So we went there one day, me and Steph. I've used your name now. Wasn't supposed to do that, but there we go. Um, So Steph was there, um, and we were playing Beat Saber. Now, I used it. It was fine, very enjoyable, lots of fun. Steph used it, and I could tell the minute she started doing it, there was going to be an accident, like there was going to be an issue. It was a very large room, but in the corner of the room, uh, there was a glass table. Now, when I say the corner, I can't even, like, I think the biggest room you have ever been in, right? Double the size of that room. That's how big this room was. Um, Steph is doing Beat Saber. She's loving it. She's really into it. Um, and I think what happened was she went to the menu and then I was like, oh, I'll well, keep playing, keep playing. But when she came out of the menu, people were already shooting at her, which panicked her terribly. And she stumbled into the last table um, and caught her leg. Now, this I had been working this company 11 days, right? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a Saturday. I presumed we were allowed to go in there. Um, and I was like, oh my God, are you okay? If you drop us, I think she's fine. She's like, I think I hurt my leg. I looked down and I was like, wow, there's actually like a pool of blood on the ground. That is not a joke. And I was like, we need to go to the bathroom. I've been on this floor before. Where's the bathroom? We had to walk, like maybe a good three-minute walk to the bathroom with a trail of blood coming through the office. I'm thinking, if anyone comes in, this is the shortest day I've ever had at a company. But we patched her up. I had to go down and like mop up blood um, for about 10 minutes. Um, But I want to put that out there as a test to see if Steph brings it up um, in a few weeks. (laughs) And then maybe i won't be engaged anymore um what have i been playing uh very quickly uh so thank uh thankfully to game pass um i'm playing football manager uh obviously 2022 um it's one
2: of us <laughs> dude
0: i've marcy i cannot tell you the amount of time that i've
1: been like will i download um football manager 2022 touch for or mobile for my ipad for your ipad yeah but i've heard that like as in it's nowhere near the experience i'm I read an article on, I don't know if you saw this, the dude who broke the world record for the longest play. The longest save. Yeah, um, yeah, I forget, like, it was, like, a fucking, like, 5,000 right. hours. It was 300, it was something like 320 seasons or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, Um, And I've, I've had the itch, so now that I know it's on Game Pass, then I, yeah, I got to get mm-hmm. it on. And and it's
0: so good, man. And, like, to, to really, the fact that, like, say, if you don't have Game Pass, you can throw a euro down, you know, just to get that first three-month subscription and play it is incredible. Um, It's so good, and it's taking up so much of my time. But, look, people know what that's about. I won't talk about that. Well, I'll talk about it very quickly. Is our, I played a game about two or three weeks ago called Undertale, which we haven't really talked about uh, on the podcast before, I don't think.
2: I wrote a little uh, thing about it uh, in our, uh, for our Instagram one time. Yeah, I but should. nobody reads those. I, 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 you're probably <laughs> right, but I wanted to say it anyway. We have an Instagram. No, I, I
0: love them. I love them. <laughs> we have an Instagram. You started a new series recently, didn't you, actually?
2: that's your RPGs, yeah. Yeah. Best
0: legs
1: in video games?
2: best legs of video games, number one. Mine, <laughs> when the screen goes black on a loading screen. <laughs> I'm thinking as well, who does have, probably Master Chief. Chun-Li, Chun-Li. Maybe Chun-Li. I had, had that um, ready to go. I was like, why is no one saying Chun-Li? On. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> Undertale, if we
0: were to do a top 10 of video games uh, today, which we're not, forgetting I was, was excited for that to happen, um, Undertale would be in that top 10. It is one of the greatest video games of all I've time, ever. I man, I have not, I played in two settings, which I very rarely do. I say about six, seven hour game to be fair. Um, but if anyone doesn't know it, it's like this two D kind of side scrolling uh, RPG. Uh, you play this uh, young girl child um, that falls uh, into kind of the underworld, um, and then like the whole game is them trying to basically get back up, meet loads of weird creatures, weird humor, a really interesting battle system, which is absolutely incredible. Um. But the, the thing I love about it, there's two different, well, three different ways to play technique. You can just play like a normal, you know, RPG where you're, you know, just kind of, you know, turn-based strategy. You're fighting them. You're defeating enemies. You're moving through. Or you can play a genocide or, what was the, I think, what was the other one, Liam, you were talking about? Pacifist. The, pacifist, thank you. Pacifist and kind of play through where you don't kill any animals or aliens or bugs or anything at all um i didn't know that so i just played it normally um but i'm actually itching to get back uh, and play one of those other run-throughs have either of you played it i think you have Liam, haven't you?
2: i've played it yeah i love it yep. it took me it took me it took me years to play it um because my first introduction to it was its horrible fan base sorry Undertale fans it, has a really, it had a really kind of toxic fan base uh, for a while. Just, you know, those fan bases that just become really...
0: Um, like a Rick and Morty type of thing? Yeah. That's
2: yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but uh, after I kind of sifted through that and played the actual game, I'm the same with you, Marcia. I was completely and utterly charmed, but it. it's made by one guy, Toby Fox. Toby Fox, yeah. Uh, it's a work of... Uh it's a, it's kind of a work of genius and it's really yeah. sweet and and empathetic and the battle system is great and the music is fantastic. The music is
0: incredible. Yeah, the it's, music is um, so, so wonderful. good. It's
2: um I would be definitely something to talk about in more detail sometime Marcy if you'd like yes, on this podcast. Yes.
0: We we will save it maybe for a full podcast someday. But without further ado let us jump into our game today. Um so uh on already talked about it there briefly but we are talking today about Half-Life. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, maybe did I get the, the different memo? <laughs> uh, so, Half Life, a little, little snippet about Half Life, which I wrote myself. Um, I'm sick of people on Instagram suggesting that we don't write these. I wrote this myself. So, <clears throat> Half Life is a series of first person shooter FPS games developed and published by Valve. The games combine, yeah, I didn't write this myself, this is from Wikipedia, shooting, combat, (laughs) puzzles, and storytelling. The original Half-Life, Valve's first product, was released in 1998 for Windows to critical and commercial success. Players control Gordon Freeman, a scientist who must survive an alien invasion. Uh, The innovative scripted sequences were influential on the FPS genre, and the game inspired numerous community-developed mods, including the multiplayer games Counter-Strike and Day of Defeat. Half-Life was also followed by some very exciting expansions uh, as Posing Force, Blue Shift, and Decay, which was actually developed by Gearbox Software. And then in 2004, Valve followed up with Half-Life 2 to further success with a new setting and characters and physics gameplay. Um, it was also followed by the extra level Lost Coast and the episodic sequels Episode 1 and Episode 2, but no Half-Life 3, Unless you count Half-Life Alex, which we don't. So, Half-Life. Um, <laughs> I would love to hear your first uh, your first encounters with it because mine is very close to my heart. But I would love to hear, uh, Mister Owen, when was your the first time you played Half Life?
1: Um, it actually, it wasn't it wasn't on release. It wasn't in uh, nineteen ninety eight. I wasn't. Um, yeah, I knew nothing about it at that at at the time. It was as as I found out true um, about a lot of games at that time. It was my cousins. Um, and they were like massive into the PC space at that time. Um, but that's how I saw Grim Fandango. That's how I saw games like Mafia. That's, um, City. all these. And they had Half Life. And, you know, I, it's sad to say that I was probably too young and naive to appreciate what Half Life was, uh, at that time because I wasn't, I don't think I was playing it the right way whenever I, you know, went over to their house and, and, um, picked it up and play it because you know picking up and play it just doesn't do that um that game justice i don't yeah. think that's exactly how that game is meant to be played especially compared to um other games that were in the first person genre at that time um so i actually came into it much later in life i want to say just maybe just before um the orange box actually yeah just before yeah i was that Mm. i was that late um but it goes without saying um the influence that it's had on everything that came after it like the amount of games that have that half-life dna all over it is just you know it's just unbelievable influential yeah Yeah.
2: it's 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 one of those games that you play games. Like how often are you reminded of half-life when mm. you're playing a game? So that it happens all the time, but it just really kind of speaks for itself. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What about you, Lim? I, my cousin owned it uh, and it was, it was the year it came out and it, it, it wasn't a thing I ever owned. Um, until a few years later, it got a, it got a ropey enough PlayStation two port. Mm. And that was mm. a few years after. And that's when I first owned it, but I played it a lot extensively. I remember my cousin owned it and I'm um, going over to his, um, his place, and him showing it to me. I'd never heard of it. Um, I was a console kid. I wasn't keeping abreast of what was going on in the PC market if, if it wasn't a LucasArts adventure game, you know? And uh, yeah, the, I always remember playing it. Uh, the opening of Half-Life is one of the greatest video game openings of all time, just for how quiet it is, how, how methodical, how much it takes its time. Uh, just yeah, And I and, and it has to be said, I, I wanted to bring this up, um, that 1998 happens to be kind of regarded as one of the greatest, the greatest years year, ever yeah, for, for gaming. gaming. Yeah. There was just and just to name a couple that came out, you know, like um Banjo kazooie which, which which I love and, and other ones. But what 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 I really want to focus on is the kind of holy trinity of Half-Life, Ocarina of Time and Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. All came out in 1998, and I think they were all hugely influential and important and big and big stepping stones in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I love Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, obviously, but I like think Half Life might be the most mm-hmm. important one. And that, that comes a lot. I, that's a lot coming from me because I lot love, of baggage, yeah, I love Zelda. You know, I, I love me Zelda. I love me Metal Gear. But my <laughs> cousin, but back in the day, it was an argument between my cousin. I was like Ocarina of Time, and he was like Half Life. This was kind of the kind of thing. We had these with like the big game. So as much as I loved Half-Life, do you know when you're a kid, you kind of, you base some of your personality and who you are around the things that you like like that? A lot of adults do that as well. So I, I kind of never really appreciated Half-Life as much as I should just because I arbitrarily decided that it was an enemy because you know people were saying this is the best game of this year and I was like, no it's Zelda, you bastards. Or whatever. I know. Um,
1: I just love this image of your cousin wearing a fucking hazmat suit <laughs> yeah. around the kitchen like, or dining room table and he was with his like his cookery village <laughs> it was like Freeman. Yeah.
2: I think Zelda I think they came out uh, late, so it's probably nineteen ninety nine this 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 petty argument was happening. But um yeah I I remember playing in in his place and in i think in other i think i might have other friends but i didn't own it for years but it was a, like you said own it is a game you're supposed to sit down and be immersed in which we'll get to because it it's um a very immersive mm. game but i you like look like, i didn't play it that way i played it in chunks for years until i owned it for myself on like i said a kind of a ropey ps2 port of it mm-hmm. That's really why is cool. it so
1: close to your heart marty
2: well, it has nothing to do with cousins.
0: I'll say that. Um, but those stories were, <laughs> were, were very, 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 very... Don't, don't have to leave me. What? <laughs> <laughs> Come on evidence. <ambulance>. having <laughs> um, So for me, um, and I did actually find a little, a little bit of evidence to this, um, I... Love then, <laughs> um, It was actually IGN, weirdly enough, um, who first made me aware of uh, Half-Life. Um, I'm not big on reading up in game news all the time, which most people will understand due to the lack of research that comes across that I do occasionally for this podcast. But no. uh, back then, I did used to uh, use IGN quite a bit and PC Gamer, um, which is a, a, a magazine they still do. I have one around here somewhere. Um, I got it just for nostalgia last week. Um, but I was actually able to find, I don't think it's the exact article that i read back then but it's similar and it talks about <laughs> ha- the half-life demo coming out for pc gamer genuinely so i did do oh. some preparation today but i just thought i'd read it out because it's kind of funny so uh this is from 90 it's actually from january 99 um so it's couple months after the game so came out. yeah what yeah. is it just, yeah yeah, it would have been a few months after. So this new demo features a brand-new standalone mission that even owners of the Half-Life game will want to download. It's 100% new levels. To grab it, you can either jump over to PC Gamer or download, download it right here. At the time, um, because I live in the middle of nowhere, we didn't have the internet. Like We had, like, 56K dial-up modems, so downloading stuff was completely impossible. You were just you know browsing the web. But the bit, this is the bit I love. In order to play, you're going to need at least a Pentium 1 with 133 megahertz with with direct x6 and 24 megabytes of ram keep in mind this is all in bold keep in mind also that this file is huge 50, (laughs) 50 50 megabytes compressed and it's probably going to take you quite a while to download to download the game remember be patient um and so I remember reading that, being like genuinely thinking I can't download that; that's too big a file. So, and so funny. My, my mom bought me a PC gamer, and I remember the demo disc playing it. it very similar to what you said on it's a really good way to put it. I didn't probably, I was what was ten, like eleven. I didn't play it, yeah. You know the experience the way I would now, or when I played them last year. Um, but I remember that demo absolutely sold me, kind of like with you and Monster Hunter Liam. Um, I think it was the first two levels, uh. It, it actually skipped over the famous intro. You know, we are kind of arriving in the, the, the trance. I, I didn't get to see that, but it hooked me right away. I was just like, this is absolutely amazing. Um, and it was one of the first times my PC can actually play something, um, which, was, which was nice. Um, it was really, really incredible. But to kind of just segue into that piece you kind of talked about, uh, you know, we talk about the influence Half-Life has had um, on kind of, you know, first-person shooter games. I, I'd love just to hear you speak a bit about that, Liam. Like, what what kind of Maybe what's a recent game where you've seen the DNA of Half-Life pop up or how do you think it's kind of managed to influence um, other FPS games?
2: Well, I think um, it's setting definitely in terms of, and this is very basic, but every time I play a game where it's beginning a place and it's always like lab or something like that or facility beginning a place and everything is fine and then yeah. things and then things go to shit it's so simple yet half-life did that first that mm. was like that was half-life and I, I think half-life did it better than anyone we talked about um dead space i see i see half-life in dead space oh, my.
0: absolutely yeah it's great
2: see... words of samurai cop
0: bingo <laughs> <laughs> wow not but samurai cop, it's, it's,
2: it's, it's that it's that opening of um of the first half-life that uh it like I, like I said, it takes its time. It build it builds the atmosphere, and uh, you're you you're a scientist. Was he, He's a lab assistant, I believe, Gordon Freeman. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, you're in Black Mesa, this the place, and uh, you you just go through it. And, and scientists are just working, and you go down, and you you end up taking part in this experiment. And that experiment ends up being the catalyst yeah. that um, gets the plot going. You open it into like a dimensional rift, and aliens start invading the facility, and you do it. You, the player. So that's kind of the main thing about Half Life, isn't it? From its um, narrative point of view, and Marcia in terms of like it influencing um, or changing first person shooters. Like I would imagine, I would think of first person shooters before that as Quake, as Doom, Mm -hmm. all action, all all action all the time, you know? Exploration, yes, but you know, it was all about gunning and blowing things up. Half Life. Was a slow build story, and the point is that, and like, I, I, it, it might have been done before, but I can't think of an example. You're never yanked out of the game. There's no cutscenes. You yeah. start the game all, when you're playing, and game. you're playing for the rest of the game, and then you follow the entire journey. Which, looking back in 1998, um, just as a kind of a, a a way to tell a narrative is super fascinating and super revolutionary. Like you'd never see that in a book. Imagine if there was like Half Life the book, and if like then Gordon Freeman walked into the the office on the second floor and he checked if there was any it's very it's very like we take it for granted now but i think it's still very interesting to just especially this genre the kind of you know what, what would you call it the i don't know the the, the deep blue sea genre the people trapped <laughs> in a place when when, when <laughs> things are going wrong when there's something yeah. trying to kill people in a place and to have that the and have you experience every, <laughs> <laughs> to have you experienced every single minute of it is brilliant and it, that's why it was revolutionary it was fascinating it just reminds
0: me of every Roland Emmerich movie ever made, where things are fine for the first 40, like, 40 minutes of the movie, and then they're not. I feel afterwards. like Deep
2: Blue Sea and Roland Emmerich. I feel like now we're accidentally kind of um, <laughs> shooting on after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Let's move away from that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, to try, drag it down with that. Isn't it really just the Thomas
1: Jane genre? Because it's kind of like Mist, right? He goes it's shopping. Very, yeah,
2: it's very <laughs> mist. It's, it's very Stephen King. It's like government experiments and opens a rift. That's what the Mist is about, except it happens off page off screen doesn't it
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah but it's it's i think it's just the idea of a, a a game just moving into that kind of cinematic territory like I alluded to there very very quickly at the start but i remember even being when i was really young playing it and the credits rolling as I'm in the tram yeah. going to the scene. It's like, wow, this is the start of a movie? This is so odd. And I could, like, you had this full kind of free, kind of go back to Viore, you had this full freedom to have to look around the tram with, with the mouse, kind of see, you know, uh, scientists or like, what the security guy called Barney, uh, you know, down kind of fixing stuff. It was just very immersive mm. from the, the very, you can very see
2: go You can see a mysterious man in a suit watching you. Yeah, the, the G-Man. Man. The G-Man, G-man. Wow, and that's just already kind of an something you might not catch but it's an immediate bit of intrigue and that's way more effective that you the player spot him mm. rather than you know a cutscene pointing camera at him you see yep. him watching you that's a, so much more that's so much fucking more it's effective. The,
1: yeah it's a, it's the attention to detail right as in it's uh it's over to tannoy how they're spe- you know they the, what they're actually saying is you know a day-to-day experience or speaking about internal announcements and then when you you know you get to the front desk at uh black mesa how those people speak to you and how you actually feel like a real life character in this world and it's the direction and how the game um the game design like bring and navigates you to where to go and how to go it's so organic um it's uh, for like for its time it's like even today it's still phenomenal right
2: oh it's a bit it's yeah. a bit dated but you know of course it is you know the, the the humans in it are a bit awkward they're a bit the voice acting is fine yeah. but you know everyone is kind of stilted but it, it like it, it was ahead of its time i think one of the places where like where it really kind of helped to kind of like to kind of hold up the realism a bit better where maybe they got the graphics of the time um kind of weren't able to was the, the sound design of half-life mm. does a lot yeah it, it yeah. does a lot when the game ends up get going with you know the sounds the creatures make and and stuff of like that and everything even the, the sound the health packs make on the I wall can hear it in my head yeah 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 <sighs> but even that that opening just i don't know there's something very domestic about the sound design of it and i think it helps make that world feel real even though anyone playing it now looking back at it, it, it it's not real it's very much clearly a video game you know <laughs> So it, was yeah, unlike anything you know. I, it was unlike anything I ever played at the time. And I, I don't know if I appreciated the time, but I retroactively appreciated that confidence to be so kind of methodical and lived in and slow, you know, to build up Black Mesa. Because Black Mesa is just th- that that most quintessential of video game settings. It's just a facility with corridors. Yet it's one of the most iconic video game settings yeah. of all time. And that's because of the attention to detail and the work they put into it.
1: Yeah, like, you know, li- Liam was completely spot on in saying uh dead space, but like another one that comes uh, to mind for me is um, Bioshock yeah. and how uh, meticulous um, even that opening seat, like that sequence is from the plane crash to the, to the lighthouse to the entry into to Raptor Rapture. Right. So um, you know, the having characters speak to you and that, that world building and then that entrance into to rapture so you know if you put the two games kind of like side by side it's not an exact replica but though know, that dna is all over bioshock as well for sure
0: absolutely yeah as well one thing as well, I, I i don't see it very often in video games as much but it also had a very unusual sense of humor as a video game um like the scientists and the security folk were just so unusually odd um like you you know you could kind of you know walk up to any character and you know press e to interact with them and you weren't really interacting with them they were just kind of saying you know a recorded soundbite but some of them were completely insane like you know uh, roaring at you know mr freeman to get away from me or get out of here and all this kind of stuff but it was also really cool to play this kind of silent protagonist who wasn't someone from like a halo or a quick who wasn't this kind of macho man kind of you know this huge, massive, muscly dude. He was just this kind of very unexpected kind of hero. And yeah. I kind of, one of the things I love about that so much is that in a way is kind of very immersive because you suddenly feel like, well, wow, this could actually be an everyday type of person who's just been thrown into a situation and is trying to kind of, you know, kind of deal with it. Um, He's very good with guns though for someone yeah, who's weirdly, just like, kind of
2: yeah. an everyman
0: scientist. <laughs> yeah, very, very, <laughs> very good actually with grenades as well, which, which kind of leads me into kind of one of the things I love the most about the game when i ba- went back to replay it was the crowbar which sounds really really silly but the crowbar actually plays such an important part in the story much later in the game um but when you kind of think of you know when i think of half-life i do think of the of some of the weapons and how you know innovative intuitive they were um this was a question we got asked last year um someone asked me to do this as an episode of the podcast with you guys and we just said it was really silly and we decided not to do it but it was like what? Yeah, it was like no, what we, is the greatest? We did this, did we not? I don't think we did. I don't think we ever put it out. I think we recorded it and we we put it, it in the bin. Greatest video game weapon. The greatest video game weapons of all time. You asked
2: us this in one of the recordings. Yeah, we it, we have it. We have it on tape. Oh, we do
0: have it. Okay, I obviously don't listen to them either. I um, think you
2: said half-life crowbar, Marcy.
0: That's what. Oh, did I? Okay, that's, <laughs> what, I trying, that's what I was trying to say. Go into I don't think we actually put that out. No, we, we did, we, didn't we? We put out any? Oh, we so we were so special. So, but what, what did you guys say then?
2: I think I said the hook shot from Ocarina of Time, I know or, I said or, the Kratos plasma cutter. And, yeah, Kratos' axe. you did?
0: You did yeah, oh, God, I didn't yeah. put that out. That was dross. That was absolute garbage. Anyway, <laughs> well, anyway, I do think <laughs> I do think <laughs> the games are great. <laughs> oh. well,
2: let's talk about moments in Half Life because there's um. <laughs> This game, the game is completely is linear. <laughs> this game is completely linear, obviously. So it it, uh, it just has you working through the facility. Which which I say, the cool thing about that is you get to experience every minute that Gordon Freeman experiences. And there are some really iconic, memorable moments. But one of the small ones for me that I think is really big is. The introduction of humans. So you're fighting aliens and the aliens are really cool designed like the Vortigons with their with their big red eye and their rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and uh, the guy I can't remember what they're called but do you know those guys <laughs> do you know those guys who catch you from the ceiling? They have like a dangle Oh they suck and you up with their like those oh, long tongues. Yeah they're disgusting. But humans are just, the, the military are coming to save the day that's the kind of thing everyone's like you know waiting for and when they finally come I think the backstory is they've been given orders to neutralize everyone who is in the facility but i thought that was such a great shake-up and a really striking moment when the military finally come in and start like shooting scientists and suddenly now the game very much changes and i will say gameplay wise for again, this is one of the ways this age the combat against other people with actual guns isn't as fun as killing the monsters um uh, but um i thought that was like a, i remember as a kid being kind of very disturbed by that I was like, "Oh no! Why? Why are the people who are supposed to rescue us trying to kill me now?" Yeah. And it's much more effective than it would be in a movie because you feel kind of directly, um, kind of uh, affected by it. You know, I was like, "Oh, you fuckers!" And they're scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they make weird noises scary, soon. more good sound design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but don't they have like those those qu- like quiet moments of dialogue between themselves where they're a bit like you're hiding behind crates and the story builds about like uh, I think it's like two of the Marines who come in and they're telling. Uh, they're speaking to each other about like, okay, this is our POV and this is our mission now. And where's that like one pesky scientist and we're here to kill them? And, and as Freeman, you're just like, holy shit! Like now I'm being hunted by
0: fucking these Who marines.
2: Who are the real monsters? Thought Freeman. That's how I'd write it if it was a if it was a novel. But it's <laughs> not. It's an You're really trying to get the, the novel media.
0: perspective across this episode. Yeah, I'm just trying to you're trying.
2: emphasize that it's like Half Life for your years. fan fiction. <laughs> Later, I'm building towards. That. I'm definitely using the podcast to launch my fan. Page. And
1: Gordon subtly took off his glasses to reveal his piercing.
2: <laughs> Sonic said, "No, no, we can't. No, um, but um, for years, Half-Life for me, in terms of kind of you know uh, growing up and getting into game design and uh, learning about it, was was the quintessential example of this could only be done through the medium of games." This is a this is a game that kind of takes advantage of the medium to kind of whatever tell its story whatever way you want to put it so that's kind of why I'm comparing it to kind of like a, it's not a book is basically what my my point is you know
1: Well yeah you, you know Liam you brought up a really really um you know uh, last week on the episode with uh with Kev the you know the the arduous argument of are video games art and it is you know uh, I hate having the discussion but again, this, it is just one of those cornerstones of this can only be achieved through the uh, the video game medium.
2: And not every game needs to do that. I, I think that's what I lear- learned, uh, you know, as I got older. Not every game needs to be this um, thing that takes advantage of all the kind of things that only games can do. Like we we've done three episodes of Metal Gear Solid*, and Metal Gear Solid* are movies for half <laughs> uh, half of their runtime. But there are times when you can use the tools of game design to tell stories or. Um, place people in settings or whatever in ways that no other medium can. And Half-Life by its uh, adherence to a first person perspective and never cutting away from the action to have you play the whole time is a really, really good um late 90s example of that. And like uh, just kind of repeating I've just been so influential. You know? And whenever I think
1: Half-Life, you know, if someone were to say that to me, it's like when I say Half-Life, what do you think of? It's one, it's you know, there's been how many yeah like, two you know, um, numbered games with a number of you know uh, sequels that weren't numbered. But like, whenever I think Half Life, I think of innovation. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a James Cameron thing, right? It's like, what's yeah. Cameron up to next? A fucking crazy bastard. He's going to do something new and something that we haven't seen before. And that is exactly what Half Life is for me. Got you know, going from one to two, and then. You know, some people consider Half Life, Half Life Alex a tree even though it isn't the numbered thing, but it still brings forward what's possible in the you know the gaming genre.
0: I just think of crowbars. You. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else, yeah. yeah what about it. Marv from Home Alone? Is that Joe Pesci's character, Marv. I forget actually.
2: <laughs> is that gonna... other than Half Life, is that the second most iconic crowbar you could think of? Um Yes. <laughs> no Harry
1: is Joe Pesci's character Fucking yeah, you idiot uh, <laughs> <laughs> Liam do you play first person shooters a lot
2: uh, single player ones yeah it's, a, like it's good it, it, it's a good I, over the last few years I can think of many though I really wanted to play Doom Eternal but I missed it but I loved the 2016 yeah Doom. It was good uh, Marcy do you know what it is available on Game
1: Pass it is available on Game Pass
2: Oh my goodness, that's incredible! There was actually a Half-Life sequel slash spin-off slash DLC that I don't think many people have played. I'm not the biggest like Half-Life guy, but I've played it. Yeah, and have you played Half-Life Decay? It's like no. super secret and hidden away. It's only on the PlayStation Two version of Half-Life. I've heard a, about this. It's a co-op game a co-op kind of game that's set at the same time as Half-Life 1, where you play as uh, two two scientists at the same time as Gordon Freeman. And I remember playing with our good friend Pat Union back in the day, and I remember finding it incredibly hard <laughs> and not very enjoyable. But when you're with someone else, games tend to be more enjoyable. I and mean, I just have really good memories of, of playing that. But um, I found out doing a tiny bit of research for this episode that it's incredibly rare not many people have played it. For me, that's like one of the main things I remember <laughs> from my time at Half-Life when I owned it. I didn't know it was this big super secret thing. Was where was like um was DLC a massive thing back then? Like did
1: the, the Half Life Pioneer DLC it's, as well?
2: Yeah. Would you count Counter Strike as DLC? Is not really DLC though? Well, was like it? The, it, even it had the spin-offs,
1: like, yeah. right? Like as in like uh, well, I suppose it would have been Half Life Two.
2: Well, it had the one where you play. No, but it had Half Life One had the one where you play as a soldier. It had the one where you play as a security guard. Uh, were they DLC? Or were they a little? Uh, yeah. Would you? I don't think the term DLC was coined yet, but they were a DLC in kind of in energy. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, th- it's weird.
1: Well, what is DLC?
2: It's downloadable content. It, it's and they weren't downloadable content. You bought them in a shop, so so they were full retail releases. Yeah, but they were. I don't know if they were full price, but they were kind of add on. I think you had to own the original game. So for like that, you know, it's a fucking bygone age, my friend. A bygone well, Liam, age. Half
1: Life won over fifty Game of the Year awards, <sighs> um, and holds a number of ten out of ten and hundred out of hundred review scores.
2: It was. I just remember at the time. That's why, like Morrissey was saying, like we're you know we're PC games. Why do we play it? It was just everywhere at the time, wasn't it? It was, like it kind of sent ripples through the entire industry. Well, because I think I think part of that
1: as well is when when um, industries cross, right? And all I remember is from Half Life, I can um, J J Abrams had a huge thing with Valve and Gabe Newell um, because he was meant to do an adaptation of half-life and i think that's when you know people outside of the gaming industry and i think more of the general public who aren't into gaming when when the likes of a a guillermo del toro or a steven spielberg and these people start you know taking an interest in properties um and games like that it is you know it it crosses and it becomes more open like can you ever make a half-life movie
2: why why bother I'm sure a lot of people would like to see it, but without the kind of interactive nature of it, I wouldn't be that interested. Similar to um, Tom Holland's Uncharted, which we will bring up in every episode if we can. If we can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited.
1: We will be doing an episode of Tom Holland's Uncharted with special Spoilers. guests. Spoilers.
2: <laughs> special guest, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Marcy, I can't believe you booked him. Yeah, he'll, he'll be there. Yeah,
0: he, 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 him and Daryl Breen. <laughs>
2: perfect time to move on to the second half-life game which i think a is equally as influential and big but but um six years later which is not often a thing a franchise to manage, uh, manages to manage manages to manage uh but i also think it's the better game uh, i love half-life 2 i absolutely love it um but I didn't play Half Life 2 until The Orange Box came out a few years after that. So, episode one and episode two, which were the two spin off games, were out. But uh, I was, I just, it was one of those games I felt like, where, what have I been doing not playing this game? This is like one of the best games I ever made.
1: I saw that um, our old school buddy, Marcy Peter Lynch's house. I remember because he had a PC powerful enough to actually uh, run it. And I just remember looking at this thing and being like this is a graphical powerhouse of of a game um of course i didn't have a pc at that time powerful enough to run it so i slept in it for um even years after the orange box right yeah yeah so like i actually came to half-life 2 probably way later than i did of um half-life one so again i feel like a lot of it was kind of lost on me which is like which is a pity right like i could definitely gotcha. appreciate um appreciate what it was um and it's and it's influence bec- you know because i can i can put myself into that time right so even if it's, things have aged i'm able to say it's like well you know i can imagine at this time and this time period how and did you incredible. did you find
2: it did you find it aged badly yeah
1: not really oh like not Just really, it. but it's, it's, you know, you're, you're at that stage where, uh, you know, where I said, when I think of Half-Life, I think of evolution and revolution, right? So as in Half-Life two, I remember, was it the gravity, is it the gravity gun? That was the
2: big one in, that was, yeah. Some say that's the main reason they made the game. <laughs> was to do was to do the physics. They had a physics engine. This whole well, idea that yeah. this whole idea that they won't make a Half-Life sequel unless there is some kind of revolutionary piece of design or tech to, to put with it. And people say that it was the new physics engine they wanted to do.
1: So that's the thing, right? If, if Wikipedia yeah. is to be believed, and I hope it is, because it's really what runs the show. Uh, <laughs> Valve Val President uh, Gabe Newell apparently set his team the goal of redefining. The first-person shooter genre focusing Again. on advanced Again. physics systems and non-play player characters.
2: Yeah, that's right. Because um, it was
1: yeah, it was Freeman's. Uh, it was Alex, was it
2: Alex? No, Alex Vance. Alex yeah, Vance. Yeah, Alex Vance, Vance. Yeah, she was like the the kind of AI partner character. Time like you know she was she knocked all the other ones out of the water. She like we didn't bring her up in our Goldeneye episode, but like compare it to like Natalia from Goldeneye, who was just an absolute nuisance, <laughs> Do you know, for an, as an AI partner, and she's just famous for getting in, in the way of your gun. Alex felt human, you know. She felt like she felt kind of alive for for the time, and you know, she was brilliantly voice acted and brilliantly animated, and it was just really the the beginning of really believable characters, not just in a cutscene or anything like that, but kind of with you during the game. That was definitely one of the the stepping stones that Half Life Two was a big part of.
1: I think the I'm remembering it now, actually. 'Cause I think it was uh one of the first clips that I saw at my buddy's house, which was it it had vehicles in it. It had like a yeah. off road yeah. biker or like a It's
2: kind of a dune buggy type thing, wasn't it? Uh, kind of a kind That's of what a I remember boat, seeing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what I remember seeing and being like, What the hell is this?
2: And again, it was like Half-Life 1, it was, you begin the game in a first-person perspective and the game never cuts, except the scale this time was much bigger than just a single facility. You begin in this huge city called City 17, and that's another thing. In the same way that I keep getting reminded of Half-Life, I keep getting reminded of Half-Life 2, that beginning in the city. The Last of Us reminds me of Half-Life 2, you know, the the beginning of the last, and stuff like that. It's another influential one, but... In saying that, it's just the scale is so big that you begin at this point and you go through the whole game in a single, a single run and you, you feel like you've covered so much of the world at the distance because you have these big sec- sections that you're going to cross country on, on vehicles and you're going to cross down this river on a boat and stuff like that. It, it just feels much huger than it is because it never cuts.
1: I, like, I think I remember it now. When you're speaking about it, I remember it for different reasons than I do uh, Half-Life 1. You know what I mean? Like as in Half-Life 1 um, and very similar actually to Dead Space 2, which is part of the reason why I adore Dead Space is... um, Yeah, it's because of of the... It reminds me of Dead Space because of the um, USG Ishimura. And then when you go into Dead Space 2, it's like you lose that location, which is a character. But I remember Dead Space 2 for its scale rather yes, than its I intimacy in yeah, the corridors, yeah, exactly.
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. Black Mesa is more iconic than the locations of Half-Life 2, but I don't know. Although Half-Life 2 kind of um, has more variety. Do you remember Ravenholm, mm. when the game just becomes like a survival horror for a little bit? You get into this like spooky town and it's full of headcrabs. Oh, yes, I do, I do. It's kind of like a New Orleans kind of vibe. Yeah, it's spooky, and you could, but you know, the horror is kind of uh, helped by the fact that you can use a gravity gun to pick up saw blades and just lob them at... At <laughs> I had crabs and stuff like that, you know. Did you play
1: episode one and episode two? So I, like full disclosure, I have not played.
2: I did, yeah. Because I, I got Half-Life 2 with the Orange Box. The Orange Box was the collection we mentioned. it Way back when, when we were talking about Portal, it came with Half-Life 2, Half-Life, and the two spin offs, Half-Life 2, episode one, and episode two. And it came with Portal and Team Fortress 2. So I played all them at the same time. So when I played Half-Life 2, I went directly into episode one, episode two, after I did it as a kind of little mini saga. And you had to see that cliffhanger. That um, it's still a cliffhanger to this day, or is it? I, I don't it know. Oh, sorry. I, that's, I, why I want want that's why I didn't want to spoil it. I've read, I've read it online. So.
1: Oh, Half Life Alex is a prequel.
2: Yes. That, and that's another thing, Owen. It's like um, Half Life 2 came out and disappeared after half-life 2 episode 2 came out and then it ended in a cliffhanger and it became like the biggest thing for years where's half-life <coughs> 3 so do you th- they never released it do you think the reason own is because yeah they're valve are kind of like we're not releasing a half-life game unless we have a brand spanking new piece of technology to go with it it has to be revolutionary did they kind of hold the franchise hostage because of that and is the reason then we finally got a new Half-Life game, the prequel Half-Life Alex, because it's it's hooked up to VR. It's a VR experience. Um, Liam, I 100% believe that uh, like Valve is reliant
1: on the platform, um, yeah, and the technology. Um, but what's super interesting is like Marcy is, has purchased a like Steam Deck. So yeah, you have that what's yet? not to say that no. Valve are going to utilize portability to read? it? I don't know what it would be. But like to redefine the first person shooter genre, I don't know how you could do it, but like mm-hmm. 100%
2: um, they were waiting for something like VR. Um, do, you, do you think that's noble? Like there's a lot of Half-Life fans out there who are like, you know, and they left it on a cliffhanger. Do you think it's cool that they're kind of like, no, we, we're only going to do this if, you know, it's some, if you can do something truly special with it? Or do you think it's kind of like, ah. well, I think it's <laughs> like, have, have Valve are kind of an annoying company days, anyway, like, you know. Don't I don't really, know what they, they, you don't it is, what, what is Half Life to
1: people, and I think you kind of need to ask that like that question, right? It's like, um, is it a revolution in technology that can only be done on something advanced, right? So it's like, it, even if you think about like how far we've come from uh, Half Life Two to now, the only real quote unquote revolution in my mind is something like. You know the switch, which is you can take a something on the go, right? So as in yeah. someone like you know, if if Nintendo fucking did Half Life, won all of the crab head or cr- yeah the head crab pens. men,
2: crab head pens, head men, yeah. <laughs> they don't, they,
1: as Miyamoto said, they don't get up and shake hands after you, you kill them.
2: <laughs> I love that. That was my favorite revelation <laughs> in the Golden i would never heard that before.
1: But like, as in, you, know, <laughs> it's they would do something where maybe it's you're fucking playing as you could only play as one character while you're playing on portable mode. But when you dock it, you play as Freeman and then your shit interacts or, you know, something like that. Mm. And to me, when I, when I think of half-life, that's actually where my mind is. You know, when I, 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 I feel like they used the technology available at the time. Very, very similar to James Cameron to actually tell the story and, You know, unfortunately, someone like George Lucas who says like quite openly when he was doing the prequels that it is the technology that helps drive um, the story. Yeah, and that's part of why he wanted to do the prequels is because he had the technology. So um, I think they are holding they are holding people um, hostage because the barrier of entry is five hundred bucks. You need a PC, and uh, you need to fucking purchase the game.
2: Yeah, well, I'd love to play it, but I can't justify it. I like it, there was there wasn't even any kind of you know moment where I thought I, I'd play it. Like you, you were going on about VR at the beginning of this episode, and I agree with you um, that it is going to be a big part of game in the future. I'm not quite there yet, financially. Uh, the side, the financial kind of sink of it, but also I just don't see enough there yet for me to like jump in. But I'm glad to see something like Half Life Alex exists, where it seems to be a really really well taught out way to kind of turn games into VR and make them function in both familiar ways and also in ways that they couldn't before. It sounds great Mm -hmm. on paper. I'm just not in the habit of, I want to play one game from this franchise. I like, I'm not sinking that much money. I wouldn't do it for Zelda. I wouldn't do it for Mario. I can't sink that much money into one game as, as a fucking grown ass adult. I, I I would uh,
1: actually beg to differ. And I think if, (laughs) if a 10 out of 10, uh, Zelda that revolutionized <laughs> you. You yeah, would pay yeah, a grand yeah. for. Now
2: that I'm hearing someone else say it, I'm yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> you know, it, is, like, by fans. <laughs> it is
1: worth it is worth saying that like you know, uh, Valve as a company, you know they they did move away from like video game development it did, yeah. into Steam, like a,
2: when Steam happened and all that, and Steam became such a colossal
1: fucking like how much money does Steam earn a day? You know, what I, I mean can't they don't count need that, to. Like... to they don't need like what what's fun and you know what I what I like to think about sometimes when before I fall asleep is <laughs> that the developers over at Valve they just have so much of like a skunkworks budget that they're just doing insane shit, yeah. You know because they, they it, it, it's nothing to them. They control hundreds of millions against just prototyping and trying something new. Um, and it's you know they'll we all know that Half Life Tree exists within mm. some facet.
2: Well the the writer of it a few years ago released his outline for it. So it definitely existed. It, it story wise it definitely existed and it seemed to have been scrapped to the point where he felt comfortable enough to release the story outline online. So whatever was planned back in if Half Life three does come out, and I think with Half Life Alex, I think we're one step closer to getting that. If it does come out, it it's not it's not gonna be what oh, we're getting the game from it's like the Zack Snyder Justice League that came mm. out on um this isn't no this isn't what he had two years ago. This is something new. I think that's what's gonna be with um Half Life Three. It's going to be something that they, they weren't planning back then, but maybe modern times, modern technology will inspire them to make this new version of it. So it now is twenty
1: twenty twenty. It twenty 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 two. You're right. Let us make our bold prediction for Half Life Half Life Three.
2: I don't know. I wouldn't it's be shocked. The, it's half the fun. I wouldn't be shocked to see it announced in the next few years. I don't think it. Were any, I don't think we're anywhere close to getting it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Because I looked up spoilers for Half-Life Alyx as well. And that kind of bridges into it. Sorry. Sorry. Spoilers.
1: 27. Yeah.
2: 2027. 20, Still a long time away. God, we'll, we'll have 500 episodes of this podcast by then. <laughs> Probably the same <laughs> listenership. <definitely. laughs> <Probably, and> Marcy's <laughs> eyes just fucking sank into his head. I think that is a, a nice point to end there, right? As always, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we will be back
0: very soon with a brand new episode. Bye for me, Absol- John. <laughs>
2: Bye for me, Owen. And bye for me, Liam. Thanks so much, everyone.